Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the gnarly gnome, everybody's hopefully favorite Cincinnati beer blogger. Uh, kind of obsessed with drinking in Cincinnati, and I write about it and sometimes talk about it. Sometimes I even make videos about it. That's me. <laughs> this is uh, this is the podcast. This is Cincy Brewcast, where we talk about Cincinnati beer. Uh, hopefully you know that, because hopefully you already subscribed to the show. If not, hit subscribe wherever it is in whatever app you use because then the shows just download automatically right onto your phone and you can listen to them every single week um this week it's a fun one this is uh i when i think about shows like this i think about when we started the brewcast and we had our little studio mike's house and we would just show up like all right what are we going to talk about this week let's just crack open some beers and let's see kind of where it goes i've i've got some stuff to talk about for sure but um we're just going to kind of crack open some beers and see where it goes. Michael from Adina. We're at Adina. We're at the warehouse. Um, it's been a while since we've sat down here. Yeah. I think you said October. It was yeah, October. Um, yeah. So a lot, a lot has changed. You oh know, my. Yeah. <laughs> a lot has changed and a lot has not changed. <laughs> we uh, are still fighting a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. I think the, I, I've obviously last three times we've talked, the subject has been the pandemic. And I think each time, <laughs> We've kind of been like, okay, you know, it, it, I the idea that it was going to last as long as it has just was not really part of that conversation. It's frustrating for me because, like, I know that, like, when I listen to pot, I don't want, I don't want to listen to more people talk about the pandemic over and over and over again. But it's really hard not to, like, when you sit down, especially if you're sitting down with somebody that you haven't talked to since all of this. It's like that's the first place my mind is going is, you know, how are you managing this? thing you know? yeah. and it's like but at the same time i recognize that you as the listener probably don't want to hear more talk about the pandemic so i have no questions about the pandemic um the world is crazy we know that <laughs> get out there and support your local breweries and your local distributors um before we crack up in a beer okay um i do want to I, I think i told you this before that we were talking i don't know when we were talking but um i'm amazed at how adina has found its place here in this local community and kind of changed the way people are looking at a distributor yeah it, you know i i think that's what i i had hoped for when you said you were opening this place but um I don't know if I felt like it would really get embraced the the way it has. Well, I, I think it is funny. Um, we're kind of going back to the future with uh, our portfolio where I think when we started, there was a lot of focus on our local brands. Mm -hmm. And um, we, you know, we love our, our, lo our local brands and they've, you know, been with us from the beginning. I mean, Wooden Cask and Darkness have been solid portfolio members the whole time. Um but we kind of did find uh, success with non-local breweries for you know, most of the time we've been on here. Right. But now, um, we're, like I said, we're it's back to the future. We're now a majority local distributor where most of our revenue is coming from uh, the sale of local brands. So, um, which is, is fun. It, it was, uh, you know, and it's not been at the expense of any of our national brands. It's just kind of we've been able to grow some of our local brands and, and and kind of become a, a just a, a more valuable distributor to local breweries. Even um, as somebody that drinks a lot of local, almost all local beer, that's almost primarily what I drink. When I'm at the store and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the other aisles. I'm going to, I'm going to grab something else. Like 
it has shifted for me that if I see a brand that I know you guys carry, I trust it more than the other ones. Almost like if you were going to your, you know, your neighbor's house and you open up his beer fridge and he's ah, just grab whatever you want. You trust that they're all going to be good beers because they're in somebody you trust's fridge, you know? Well, yeah. And that, that means a lot. That's what we wanted to be from the very beginning. And you, when you're starting out from basically nothing, and I mean, you were here before we even had a, had a cooler in the back. Um, you have to have yet to provide customers with beer that they're going to want to, that they're going to be able to sell and that, that their customers are going to want. And that's, you know, it, it was very easy starting off getting the Northern Kentucky brands. But after that, I mean, it was hard to get good Ohio breweries because they could distribute themselves and it's, we were very small. It's deeper than that though. Like mm-hmm. it's not just providing good beer that is that is definitely the backbone of it all without that nothing can fall into place but somehow you have to get people to trust you as their neighbor with a beer fridge you know like and i don't i don't know how you make that connection with people but you guys have done that somehow i don't know if it's um something with social media presence or just being out there talking i don't i don't know what it is but you talk to people and like oh yeah i I like adina I like them. Yeah. Nobody says that about the other guys. Like, and there, there's some other places that are, <laughs> that have some really, really great brands that I, that I do trust because I know those brands, but like uh, they don't have that relationship with people. And well, that means a lot. And, you know, we really do try to cultivate that. Um, and we do look our, you know, competitors, uh, fellow distributors, they're just a little bit different. They're not, um, we don't have to um, – what we're trying to create is something that is similar to what local breweries and small craft breweries around the country have created. And we've kind of looked at them as models because there just aren't a lot of local or new distributors. Right. Um, and I do talk to those people around the country. Um, but in – Locally, it's the breweries that we are modeling ourselves after because of our size and our newness and and what we're and what we're doing. And um, I think creating that community and creating the kind of I don't want to say brand, but you know, reputation uh, is important to what we are able to uh, provide to not just our customers but our our brewery partners. And uh, you know, it, it makes it does make it more fun. You know, right. because this is this is a tough business and it's only, you know, um, it's only gotten tougher. And I think I said before, every time I've I think we've talked about the pandemic, you know, there were there were parts of this industry that were getting difficult even before this. And uh, you really have to have people like you if you want to uh, be successful. Right. Like you, trust you, want to support you. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. There's, there are some breweries that like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, their, their beer is great. But like when I'm, you know, walking out of my house and I know we're going to go out and we're going to spend X amount of dollars tonight, those dollars are getting allocated to somebody else mm-hmm. for lots of different reasons. But, you know, like it's not, it's not just about the beer. It's not just about the food. If you're a brew pub, it's not just about the brands. If you're a distri- it's, it's like this, this very big, very complex picture that it's really hard to kind of uh it's hard to it's hard to figure that out like you can't write it down on paper of this roadmap of how you're going to do it you almost just have to kind of 
blindly trust that you are well it's you're it's, the right type of person with yeah. the right kind of thing inside you does that make yeah. does that make well, sense it's, it's given a shit you know it really is um without uh i mean our team members are all have i mean especially the guys who were here uh before march 2020 you know they've really put a lot in and um but every single person on our team just cares about the beer that we sell and about the customers that they sell it to um it's just it's just the it's i have found that when you make the effort it's almost always worth it and when you don't make the effort which you know nobody's perfect i sometimes you do kind of cut a corner or you you kind of think you let something go and it always comes back and you know it never it's never satisfying and it feels like every single time we've been able to take our you know take what we believe is is our core and every time we apply that to a problem or a challenge that always seems to pay off and when we don't do that it always seems to come back and get us so <laughs> you know it's it's just, i think that's just and so it just becomes a just as easy it's just a way of life being you know being a distributor that brings in nice beer that's fine but i think that you know being uh, a partner to our customers and, our, and to our suppliers our brewers is just it's just what we do and it's where we are now is is, is a lot better than where we were uh, and it's been because we've you know done things the way we we believe is the right way well and i think you know with a time like this where things are so rough and people are hyper focused on those businesses around them that they're trying to support. I think the people who are able to make it through all of this, which we know that there are plenty of businesses that are not have not survived or won't survive this. Um, it's forming this foundation for people to, um, to, to, to really have some kind of, um, some kind of feeling about brands that maybe they wouldn't have had otherwise some kind of real genuine thing, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. So I, I, you know, I've said it a few times. I think when we get to the other side of all of this, we'll all be better off in the long term from it. But I, I hesitate to say that because of the places that aren't. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it, We'll just see. I mean, other side, if they're, you know, there might just, it's just a continuing journey. Yeah. And um, we can only hope to be, uh, to improve ourselves on that journey. Let's drink a beer. Let's that'll do that'll it. improve ourselves. Um, because from the yeah. beer fridge, um, I'm excited to try this one because I haven't had it yet. I've, I have uh, not had it yet either. When are, when are we getting uh, this in Ohio? It's in Ohio. Is it in Ohio? Yeah. When am I getting it in Butler County? It is in Butler County. I have not I, seen it yet. <laughs> you haven't seen, I know, I know. What so we're, we're talking about Alexandria, by the way. Yeah. Alexand we got Alexandria Brewing Company. Uh, we got Threshold, a, uh, a white IPA. It will look very similar to a hazy IPA. Uh, that is because of the heavy wheat content. Um, it smells wonderful. It's, you know, it's a, today is a beautiful, sunny, you know, yeah. all, I think it's 80 degrees outside yeah, right now. I had the windows down and I was cranking some, you know, some, some nineties pop punk to remind me of, you know, driving around when I was in high school and singing at the top of my, it was just the perfect, it felt like summertime. It was just, just such a good feeling. <laughs> and this beer kind of, 
uh, fits into that um, that feeling. And it really is a. Uh, this is um, they're seasonal, um, and uh, they've been. Uh, I think I'm allowed to say that they're canning wooden casket says it yeah the, yeah he's uh, been very open and honest yeah, about it says it on the can um but yeah they've done uh a, a few cans for us we actually were almost out of uh most of the stuff that they brought in except we just got this threshold in and so you should start seeing that around but they all all three should be at fairfield i think i, I, haven't, I haven't seen them yet but i admittedly haven't hung out at the the beer stores as often in the last <laughs> year as I used to. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, it's, we're talking about weeks that we just started getting them in. So it was middle of uh, March, I think. This is this is fantastic. It's um, it, it's not like that super. So when you say white IPA, mm-hmm. um, it can go a lot of different directions. This just tastes like a nice. It does kind of have a. Like almost like a like you took a New England IPA, gave it way more body, and added some of that uh, um, yeasty, um, estery stuff going on. It is man, it's a good beer. It really is. The the body caught me off guard. It's it's really like a big, nice chewy beer while still being drinkable. I was trying to find the hop uh, bill on here, and I. I couldn't find it. We don't have it in our system either. So, um, it's but top I think secret. You do get, it is top secret. I mean, you get a lot of grapefruit. So it's a, uh, you get a lot of citrus. You get a lot of um, kind of almost, uh, kind of almost a tartness to it as well. Yeah, maybe, um, maybe sacrilegious to do this, but I want to sit out on a patio with a big glass of this with a big orange or stuck on mm-hmm. the, the rim of my glass. Um, just, just, refreshing is the only way I can yeah, buy it. I, what I do like about white IPAs and, and hop forward wheats is you don't, I don't think you really even need an orange with the, with the amount of citrus that you, you're getting you in there. You don't, but it just adds to that refreshment yeah. factor for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't want to be wearing shoes and that all plays into the whole thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, for this uh, episode, I figured we would just sit around and shoot the shit. So I laid out a couple kind of, uh, uh, hypothetical questions Fantastic. to start things off. And I think we'll kind of venture into some other stuff too. Uh, if I could find my notes here, should have prepped ahead of time. I should be prepared for this stuff. Uh, let's see. So I think when we, when we first started talking about sitting down and doing an episode, mm-hmm. we were texting back and forth and talking about, uh, about Rheingeist. Yeah. And what, would this community, this this beer scene, the city, uh, look like if Ryan Guys hadn't opened? And that just kind of my mind started going in lots of different directions of what did it mean for other yeah. breweries? What did it mean for the actual like beer city status itself? Because every year, you know, those those stats come out and you see Ryan Guys up there. You know, what are we like at? 25 or something yeah. now well, i think that would be the most obvious is that the the cincinnati area would not have a uh brewery headquartered uh in the top 50 uh of independent uh, craft breweries. not even close not so even, that's not yeah. even close yeah um so i mean i think that's that's major and i don't know a lot of times when i'm talking about ryan guys i don't think people realize how big that that they are um and even in even in town i mean it's you have 
you know, they're like a force of nature. We don't even really consider them a competitor because they're just everywhere. Right. You, they're they're given. If, if Reingeist isn't there, then there's no way Adina's going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, I I think that they, my, I, I think that's an interest is an interesting question because I think that you certainly and they weren't the only very successful uh, local brewery at the time, um, but. You did kind of see uh, a bit of copycatting, I feel. Sure. Um, that I mean, it's not. But you look at a lot of other places, and it's not completely different. Maybe. Um, I think I think if if say Ryan Geist opened up in a different city, I think you probably would see a little bit more of a um, there because Ryan Geist had that very clean branding had you know very specific they had self-distro and they had um you know a uh a, a, the, the, their beer selection was was very um i don't want to say it was mainstream because i think <laughs> that like but they it really was a um they really because I, I think in some ways it's mainstream because they kind of set the mainstream so i think that maybe you would see more experimental local breweries um coming up if you know the the way to success wasn't kind of seen as copying right. what ended up being not just a, a very successful local brewery or very successful Ohio brewery but one of the most successful breweries in the country well it's it's fascinating to me that when you look when you look at that top 50 of you know big breweries there's there's some newer guys on there but the, the bulk of that list is made up of breweries that have been around forever in the world of mm-hmm. craft beer. They're nationwide breweries. They're on shelves of every grocery store you can think of, you know, like the bulk of that list is that. And then you've got these places like Rheingeist that are in, you know, what, five states. I mean, they're probably technically in more than that, but I mean, they're, they're really probably only in like maybe even like, three states worth of what they're <laughs> like they've got I, I these think, little pockets yeah. in other states but they're not really there it you know, is it's, interesting I, you're right i mean there's um i know that they're in like wisconsin illinois i believe they're in indiana um i know they've been in, in tennessee other part, in tennessee yeah i know they've been in other parts of the uh of the country but not re- not the extent that you know not 17 25 states right. some of these other places and you know you're right they they're also easily the youngest brewery at least as far i don't i haven't memorized the most recent list but i think that they were one of the youngest by far um in most of the lists i've seen so i think think the last time i i made notes of kind of the age of all those breweries and it's been i think it was when they first debuted on the list so probably you know three or four years ago whatever it was and the closest brewery in age to them i don't remember who maybe I don't remember who it was specifically, but it was like 19 years or something like that was how old would, they were. I think I versus think, yeah. Ryan Geist, which at the time was like four years old. Yeah, <laughs> I, like I think Revolution snuck on the list uh, this year, so maybe they they're a little bit younger. But um, that to me, that's another brewery that you know that at at, at one point it seemed like was the uh, you know kind of the Ryan Geist of Chicago, but then you know Ryan Geist passed them up. Um, what do you think it would do for 
some of those breweries that are like that next tier down. So like the I think the Madries yeah. or the Fifty Wests or even for Moreline, which has gone through all of their chaos in the last few years. Well, I mean, yeah, I can tell you. I mean, how happy Moreline was to see Ryan guys pop up. Uh, I was I was working at their distributor at the time, and um, I mean that was it. Definitely changed the i think that the city was more backward looking you know to its past mm-hmm. and wanting to to kind of focus on 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 more traditional styles and being more aligned with a, a german style and then even even the rheingeist <laughs> is german they were it is clearly, kind of yeah it is kind of a middle finger though to to this you know and i've got rheingeist on the show in a couple of weeks like a probably get some shit for this but um you know it is kind of a middle finger to this heritage that we've always kind of hung our hats on in cincinnati you move into an old christian moorline building mm-hmm. and this is the moorline of years past a whole different company um mm-hmm. you move into a historical brewery building we'll say that uh make a whole bunch of ipas when you open your door have a german name a, a, a bastardized german name i, I- <laughs> I think that was one of the. I think Ryan Geist was one of the coolest it's, fucking names. It's it's a great name. Why would I? But if yeah. you if you are a uh, a diehard, you know, a traditional German beer, we mm-hmm. drink lagers, and we, you know, uh, when they opened, it was not that at all. I mean, they've they've you know dabbled into kind of a more traditional side from time to time since yes. then, but uh, th- that isn't who they are. No, <laughs> like. I, I, well, I think, and I think it's interesting because I think then it kind of, it made that, I think that did set what, I don't know if they were just prescient as far as what people would want or if they were just so cool that they could set whatever other people wanted or they were so successful that other breweries just assumed that was what everyone else wanted. Um, I, I know, I'm, I'm sure it's maybe all three. But so uh, the label for um, their eighth anniversary beer mm-hmm. um, came through the TTB the other day. Uh, well, yeah, I might be able to pull it up here. And the last line in the uh, the text on it, it's like, you know, five or probably eight, I guess, would make more sense. It's got a bunch of lessons that they've learned over the uh, um, over the years that they've been open. And the last one that's on there is or no the second to last one um hops never go out of style <laughs> um yes yeah, so that's eight, a good lesson hops never go out of style because it is what craft beer drinkers want for some mm-hmm. reason you know it, it still maintains as the most popular like unless you count seltzer it still maintains as the most popular style is ipa and even as People say they want something else. They're still drinking a shit ton. <laughs> yeah. And that's a national trend. But I think a lot of what we're talking about was also parts of national trends kind of coming to Cincinnati. But We've always been yeah. a little bit behind. Mm-hmm. So maybe they were just smart enough to see some of the things that were happening other places and be like, all right, we got to do this somewhere that hasn't figured it out yet. I that, I mean, I think that's exactly it. I mean, But on the other hand, you know, people, there's much of a bunch of mini Ryan guys out there that, we're doing some of the same things. And um, I do wonder, you know, if you had, you know, a moderately successful semi-regional new local brewery coming up seven years ago, eight years ago, um, rather than 
you know, a national superstar. I do wonder if you maybe would have seen a little bit more. You it wouldn't just be obvious who to copy. I guess right. would be would be my, and I think it's been interesting to see people kind of coming up with. I I, I mean, you can look at what craft beer labels looked like, where they used to look like you know comic books, you know, <laughs> right. like just like goofy right. stuff, like like a Dungeons and Dragons kind of stuff, and like, you know, really kind of like or really like um, like there's like rolling hills and hops and barley on there or you know it seemed like everyone had like dogs or fish or, or you know <laughs> it was um and then ryan guys comes out with his very clean labels that you know were um you know it, it was cool it was original but then you kind of felt like after then you start seeing that's the norm and now everyone's got to have these clean labels and these clean logos and everything like that and I wonder now you see the 16 ounce cans coming out with you know create you know very goofy very you know all these flourish that I think is kind of a answer to the very corporate looking right uh, uh designs that you know again at at the time 2013 seemed revolutionary in their um you know that how how clean they were and how um how not intricate they were. Do you think not, I mean, maybe not specifically Rheingeist, but do you think that kind of explosive growth of craft beer in Cincinnati was, was good for the development of beer in Cincinnati or breweries in Cincinnati? Or so do you do think I, it kind of, do you think that copycat kind of syndrome? Well, I, I think the copycat thing was down? bad for the people who were copying. And and maybe to the drinker, but um, the uh, I think that you know I, I I'm I love to shit on self distro because I'm you know the alternative to it, uh, but the uh, I do wonder if you know trying to recreate the Rheingeist model didn't draw a few too many moths to the flame where you know you 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 can. You can build that model if your brand is, you know, if people are calling who've never had craft beer on in their entire lives and they're calling, you got to service those accounts because they're all of a sudden saying, heard about this Rheingeist beer. Um, it's very hard to do, um, to kind of push a brand through right. a fairly rinky dink, you know, getting a few trucks, getting, getting a rep or two. I mean, it's very hard to push that way. We found that out, you know, is, a small distributor, like you can't really push from a, you know, the smallest position possible. Uh, and I, I think that's kind of what breweries tried to do. And some of them were able to sign with distributors. Um, but I don't really think, you know, bigger distributors can get a good, get a good deal out of it. Um, but I would do, that's kind of my biggest thing is I think there's a whole generation of breweries that, and some of them, I mean, there's some will probably laugh in my face that the idea that they should sign with the distributor and, they'd be right to do it. Um, but I think, I think some of them maybe, you know, maybe just, wouldn't have wanted depends, to buy it. Depends what you're yeah. trying to do. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, I think that, I think that there was probably an idea that you could do what Ryan guys did and no, nobody in any other city has done what Ryan guys has done. Right. Nevertheless, another person in this city. And I, I, I don't, I don't know how much that's true. You know, that's kind of, you know, I'm not, I'm not an outside observer, but if you're going to ask me what, if Rheingeist hadn't started here, maybe you see a little bit less focus on self-distro, a little bit less focus on packaging right out the gate, 
and a little bit less focus on um, kind of trying to build a brand through um, kind of a, a kind of almost step-by-step process rather than, right. rather than building organically, which breweries in Cincinnati have done. Right. I mean, that, that's not saying that every single brewery in Cincinnati, you know, basically was out buying transit vans and, and canning beer right away. I think that there were a lot of, I won't say a lot, there were definitely places that opened up thinking they were going to. Mm-hmm. And as soon as those doors opened and as soon as they started figuring out how things actually were, they shifted too and said, well, no, 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 let's, let's, let's rethink this. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. This, this, this idea that we had in our head maybe isn't where we want to go. <laughs> you know, and that I, if Rheingeist had opened up in a different city, um, I think it would have been worse here in Cincinnati of people trying to recreate Rheingeist. You think that more people would try and re- recreate yes. Rheingeist? Depending on where, city? depending on where, maybe if it was on the West Coast or something, then no. But if it was in like Asheville or somewhere close mm-hmm. enough, um, yeah, I think people would have looked at it and be like, we could do that here. Where, you know, we could definitely, there's room for that here in Cincinnati. <laughs> and I think that they, I think we would have had a lot more copycats and a lot of more people thinking they could be Rheingeist. Maybe because people are smart and differentiation is a uh, good strategy. And I think you've definitely seen it. We can think of a lot of breweries that are the anti-Rheingeist or, right. or whatever you want to say. And I, I hope that nobody at Rheingeist thinks I'm shitting on that. I, <laughs> no, I, I, I have a ton of respect for them. And I think it's kind of silly when people kind of gripe about, you know, that they just did what every other, you know, which, which many other breweries wanted to do. I don't, I, I wish I could easily pull every, uh, every time on the show that a new brewery said, you know, not anything against them. We love Rheingeist, but we don't want to be the next Rheingeist. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure that has been said like dozens of times yeah. on the show. <laughs> I, I mean, no, but what's funny about that statement though is like that, that, that door is not open. <laughs> it's like, well, good. We're Nobody not, was asking. Hey, you know what? We're not going to, yeah, we're not going to be, you know, the, we're not trying to be the next Heidelberg here. No, just so you know. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> we're, yeah. Um, we're not trying, yeah, we're not trying to court the largest beverage company in the world. Um, but no, I, I think that, I think that would be interesting. I think that it's the market in the Cincinnati market has been in, you know, just indelibly shaped by the, uh, by Rheingeist. I think maybe you see, I, I would say the other thing, I think that there was a couple years where, everyone thought that every local brewery was going to sell as well as Rheingeist. Yeah. And it definitely crowded out a lot of national brands and regional brands that never really came back. I was wearing a, a smutty nose shirt last night. Um, and uh, it was like, Oh, I love that beer. What happened? I was like, well, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, 70 local breweries opened up. <laughs> well, there's, there's a lot of brands that you see them come into this part of, you know, the country mm-hmm. and, you know, people may get excited right at the beginning because they've been hearing about this brand or they've had it before and it's really great stuff. And then they just go back to drinking their their local spot and just ignore these other brands that then uh, languish away and uh, disappear. I mean, that's <laughs> the I mean, that's why we our job is so hard when we're bringing in new breweries. I mean, it's just not you can't just say, oh, this is a nice beer. I think I, I think I said in our first show, like. It's like good beer, good business, good people. Like it has, you also have to have just, there has to be a crazy desire for that, that beer coming right. in. You can't just go out there and say, Hey, 
take this beer for me, please. Well, we live in a world now where you've got, you know, main beer company that just sits on a shelf and three Floyd zombie dust now just sits on shelves and gets dusty. I, <laughs> like I had a few zombie dust last night. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> but that's like, that's, yeah. it's amazing. And, and we just don't give a shit anymore. And like, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to figure out what beer is going to sell in a world where that is the truth of people who are, uh, um, out there buying beer. Speaking of beers yes. that are selling, we're drinking uh, On the Brink IPA from Brink Brewing. So I think when I was here in October, mm-hmm. um, you guys were very close to uh, to to getting the the Brink deal um, settled. We yeah, I think it was it was like it's like days after that. I think yeah, that I think so. Yeah, I think it was pretty close. Yeah, that was that was a big one. Um, you just can't, I mean, you really can't beat their reputation. You can't beat the, the beer that they make. Um, and it's, you talk about a, a, a brewery that, that has pull. I mean, that's definitely a brewery that, um, that people want and they'll, they'll email you about and they'll Facebook message you about. Yeah. It's, it was a, a little bit of a gutsy move on their part to make that shift from being, you know, basically taproom only. Like I think there were mm-hmm. a couple kegs that made it out, but um, for the for the most part, they were just sold in their taproom to make a jump from that to where they are now, where they're on, you know, shelves of God knows how many Kroger's, every, mm-hmm. every independent store you can think of, every fun little, you know, bar bottle shop that you know, has good beer has brink now to, to make that switch and to make that jump. Uh, crazy to me like it's 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 a really i it would keep me up at night for a very long time trying to figure out if it was the right move or not clearly for them it's been the right move people are going nuts for it and uh yeah i mean honestly like i feel like it'd be much scarier to try and do that with um you know a brand that, that didn't have uh the kind of uh demand i mean honestly i think for them it was pretty easy like once they you know figured out that they they could do it and and where the um you know that where the where the demand was. Um, you see, I, I it's just kind of like you I, know. I think of it more like if if things aren't working awesome, mm-hmm. you can just try whatever you want, and you can't screw it up because you're already screwing things up. Oh, whereas if you've got like something really good going on, which they have something really great going on in that tap room, I would be afraid to screw that up. I'd be afraid that all of a sudden you can get my beer at Kroger and you stop coming into my tap room. Mm-hmm. Like that's the way my brain works. I would be terrified of that. I, it's not the case with them <laughs> clearly, but that's where my my brain would go. It's like, does this does this change the way people are going to drink my beer? Does this change the way people want to drink my beer? Um, I mean, I honestly, um, that's kind of I, I, people don't seem to think that way. Um, we kind of had, uh, I mean, it, it was uh, a lot more beer than we thought um <laughs> as far as going out there i mean like we have this is um we're down to we have maybe a week's left of that and then it's coming hopefully coming back in the following week and so, if i mean it's just and it's we're just barely i mean we're almost like landing an aircraft carrier on uh, a golf tee with some of the air an airplane on a golf tee you know with some of this stuff we're uh yeah how how we're going from you know 
we're almost out, but we're going to get more in. I mean, it's just kind of, which is what we want to do. We're not really looking to, I don't want to have, we don't really have a lot of room. So I don't, I don't want to have like just pallets and pallets and pallets of beer back there. Um, And I, you know, we worry about code dates. We worry about, um, you know, frankly, cash flow. You don't want to have all your money tied up in inventory. So we're pretty lucky that this stuff's, um, I shouldn't say that because we kind of knew it was, we kind of knew where, where it was going to be. And so we've been pretty lucky that we were right. I guess when we had, at least when we went out there and say like, Hey, if we had cans of this, what do you think? And you know, they're like, Oh, well, we'll take this much. And then they did. So it, I mean, really, I mean, it was really, you know, meeting demand is only so scary. Um, I, it'd be much harder to try and create demand is, uh, I think that if you, I think that Frank is in one of the least scary positions, uh, of any local brewery right now, <laughs> to be honest. Um, they've, uh, and I mean, in, in the beer is phenomenal. Um, which is all, is pretty much like the only thing that even as a businessman, you have to, I mean, if the beer isn't good, I just don't fucking, I don't want to fucking have anything to do with it. Honestly, like, I get that. having my own company. <laughs> I just don't, I have very little patience for bad product and being a distributor. I can choose, um, more or less, you know, what breweries we represent. So it's nice to have one that, you know, I on the brink and hold the reins are two of my oh, hold, rotators. Hold the reins. Hold the reins. I, it's one of those. So it's an English mild. Okay. One of those styles that everybody says doesn't sell. Nobody mm-hmm. wants it. And yeah. then all of a sudden you get these brands that say something else to people. Like it, it's, sold, it stands out. We've sold 600 cases of hold the reins. Um, so people want it. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's a fantastic beer. And I think that it, opens the door going back to kind of the Rheingeist thing it opens the door for other breweries to see that and be like oh people will drink an english mild or people will drink this style or that style maybe we should try that too <laughs> and so well, that was what was cool <laughs> going, going into kroger sets i was like holy shit we're the only milk stout in <laughs> 30 krogers like holy shit like we're the only English mild in every every <laughs> store that this like you know like how going up against you know very and we, just because of Brink's reputation they're like give us the beers that you want I mean that's Kroger telling us this. right so when Kroger says you know we, we I guess we could have been like you know paid a, a marketing company uh to or, or you know a, a research company or something like that um but we decided like that's not how Brink got to this point. So why would we, why would we then all of a sudden just try and change, start creating brands that, right. and you, know, you, you really, we wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to tell Brink to do that if I wanted to, which I don't. But so they, they wanted to take their brands to, to market. They didn't want to try and create a, I'm trying not to shit on no, other but like, people, but you know, they didn't want to, they don't want to create a new brand. Like they right. don't want to create like Brink Light or something like that. Right. Um, they want to take their gold medal winners, Moosey and Mild, the hold the reins, and um, they wanted to take this this IPA, and um, then they they did rename the cream ale, but it was a cream right. ale that, that had existed beforehand. Um, Which, if you go back to the last time we were at Brink, we just out of pure dumb luck, that's what we were drinking <laughs> <laughs> because because I love cream ales. <laughs> Um, so that was, that was what they did. And, uh, 
you know, it was it was kind of cool to see, you know, having and again, maybe I, I only know so much about about chain beer sales, um, especially. I mean, this was our first foray into it as as a company. I had sold to chain beer uh, retailers um, in my previous lives at different distributors. Uh, but, you know, it was kind of cool to see, like, you know, if I was on a shelf at, you know, one of our independents and we were the only milk stout, I feel pretty good. Uh, you know, like we, you know, I kind of, I wasn't worried about, um, you know, I thought that on the brink would stand out as an IPA and it does. Um, and, uh, you know, having, having just kind of like more old school craft beer styles, like an English mild and, um, well, it also, you like- know, in, in a milk stout, I felt like that was, it was, it was almost like. I kind of felt like we had an unfair advantage because we were able to, you know, use, we were able to, to take the beers that we wanted to, that, that had kind of already proved themselves rather than trying to create, you know, beers that would appeal to a mass market. Well, if, if Brink decides to go into, to distro mm-hmm. like that and all they do is send out on the Brink, which is, which is a fantastic IPA. It's delicious. It's really hard to stand out as an IPA amongst IPAs of mm-hmm. of the world or of even Cincinnati. There, there's tons of them. Yeah. When you put it on a shelf and then you've got an IPA, an English mild, a milk stout, a cream ale, you've got these this this wide range of styles with the name Brink, with you know gold medal winners sitting there. It makes people stop and we're like, all right, why? Well, got to get got to get moozy. Mm-hmm. It's summertime. I got to get something else too. I, I'm going to grab an IPA. I'm just going to go ahead and grab the Brink one here instead mm-hmm. of you know walking down the shelf and grabbing Truth or Psychopathy or whatever. Like it, just, it, it, it helps sell all of them. When uh, and I, and I do think. I mean, we this thing is. I mean, it has hopped at a level that you. I mean, and it's. It has hopped at a level that I don't think that most mainstream flagship IPAs are. I think I don't know if you can t- taste the difference. I feel like you get it is a more um, you get a lot of it's uh, balance. Yeah, it, it's definitely balanced, but I think you get a lot. I think there's a great aroma to it, and there's a great um, kind of a grapefruit, citrus, uh, a little bit of pine that you get. That that I that's why we we kind of felt like this was something that that could stand out, and um, that wouldn't just be kind of. I mean, I like. I felt like this was something that was a little bit different. We were kind of shooting for more of a, uh, um, like, uh, trying to think of a, a, a great example, like uh, something like a, a Racer Five or something like that is, is what we were kind of looking for with this uh, with this IPA. What's AP, ABV of this? Do you it know? is six point eight. I mean, it it just it drinks really easy. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, almost. Sessionable. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that about an I, I, uh, I always, um, you know, any beer is sessionable if you uh, believe in yourself. Yeah, I think we should have turned we turned the fan on. I think we should turn the AC on. It's kind of hot. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it helps. Like it, it just works with the whole, uh, you know, cracking open beers and uh, um, it makes it more refreshing. I've definitely had a few of these before. You, de- you definitely can. Um, we should drink another one. Let's do it. Uh, and I have to go back to. I was trying to find notes on uh, on the brink to find the ABV, and I don't have any notes. On. I used to be really good about this, where I had notes about every single beer, and I could just you know pull this up really quick. And so now, not only do I get don't have the notes on it, now I'm in this 
huge rabbit hole of notes and I have to go back to my show notes. And So speaking of sessionability, oh, we're yeah. going to go with a light box that is uh, barrel-aged. Uh, have we had this on the show before? I don't think so. Um, I actually, I was going to grab their new uh, stout, but we actually, uh, I wanted to grab this one. What is the, so the new good. stout? Uh, new is stout is Old Pepper. Old, uh, old Pepper Porter? It's not Old Pepper Porter, is it? It's a, um, it's, uh, it's a, it's a barrel-aged stout um, that they uh, brought in with... Uh, honey and pepper, honey is that right? Yeah, honey in and Chipotle it? pepper, yeah. Um, it is probably say old It pepper. caught me off guard because I one of the... Uh, old Pepper, it is that Old Pepper Porter. One of the local shops posted that they had it in, and I had no idea that it was even coming. And so it caught me off guard. I'm like, I'm like, what is that? <laughs> no, I mean, zooming in to read on the bottle to see what it is. So and I really, I, maybe I should, if we're going to talk about it, maybe I should have grabbed. It. No, it's okay. Um, because I haven't had that one yet either. I'm I'm kind of far behind. Uh, Welcome to my life in our portfolio. Um, so the uh, yeah, they've been wooden cask is the brewery we're talking about. They uh, their bourbon barrel aging program is uh, definitely one that. I, we we talked about it on, oh, yeah. on the show, yeah. and they have um, not stopped. They're only getting um, more more. They did a maple uh, stout recently that uh, we loved. Um, they're finally getting four packs. Um, this actually still comes in a six pack though. This is uh, oh hell yes, their Hellesbach Lager, and as you can see, it's light for this kind of temperature. Um, we we. Brought it out. For you get Bach your nose Fest. anywhere yeah. close to it, though. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we brought it out for Bachfest, and we wanted to have a. Uh, um, we just we we actually just picked up more because it's been, we it's been selling so well, and they had a little bit left. So we actually uh, last year we we uh, we were able to sell it uh, in non Bachfest time. So we figured. Why not? It's it, always good to have a wooden cask uh, barrel-aged uh, beer on the shelf. I know that, you know, the idea of mm. what wooden cask is and some of the, you know, the, the beers that they make probably has been um, a bit of a, a sticking point with them over the years. No, probably probably not. You know, I don't think, Randy, you think it would be a sticking point at all. But, uh, you know, like it, it probably has... Uh, um, slowed down the growth of where they could have been if they had just decided to be a copycat of Rangeist. Well, that's probably the best way to word it. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, but, but... But but it enables them to put out a beer like this whenever the hell they want to put it out. Mm-hmm. And it, it works, and people get it, and people understand it, and we'll drink it. <laughs> like, that. that's that's not the case for everybody. Like yeah, I, I don't think that, yeah, the quality uh, of the beer that Randy's been put out, obviously uh, does not suffer because he's trying to be another brewery. That is definitely the case. Um, and uh, I mean, I think it's harder mm-hmm. for people to understand who they are, but once people understand who they are, I think they're a fan for, yeah. for life that we've, we've seen that too, where if you get wooden cask in a store, uh, it doesn't leave, <laughs> you know, they, they're definitely, and, and it's, they're much, the, their customer is much more loyal than the average craft beer customer. They're the, they they have, the guy comes in, he grabs a six pack, he leaves, he comes back four days later, 
you know, three days later, grabs two six packs, whatever. Um, we've definitely seen that. And part of it's the style of beer. I feel like, you know, the, the hop heads are much more promiscuous than the, right. uh, than the malt heads for whatever reason. Um, and I don't know how much of that's anecdotal, but I feel like you got the same guy coming in, grabbing reformation <laughs> or grabbing corruption. And, uh, whereas it's, you know, our IPAs that we're sending in there, it's, right. you know, we got to hope that we're getting, you know, new people. Well, it's so, you know, to me, wooden cask as a, as a brand or however you want to put it mm-hmm. is about that idea of after work, you go, you go to your spot, you sit down, you drink your beer and you just, you, you hang out for a little bit, then you go home and you eat dinner and spend time with your family and whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, this idea of chasing the latest release, the latest new England IPA or the latest pastry stout or whatever it is, is all about running, running, running and trying to get this and trying to get that. And, and by the very nature of that, the newest and weirdest thing is what you're going to be running to get. So yeah. like you're just always trying to catch people's attention and grab them and get them to come in. Whereas wooden cask is building this really solid foundation of this, this place that people go to because they are comfortable and they, they like the beer. It's good drinkable beer, you know, yeah. which um, if Randy listens to this, I'm still just desperately waiting for cans of Yorkshire just, just that's all I need. <laughs> I uh, I tried fifteen packs. Then you can apply to the trend. Get, we were trying to get nitro York, Yorkshire. Oh god, that'd be great. <laughs> that would be it's, fantastic. It's, you can't do it. You can't. <laughs> you can. You can. <laughs> I I mean, they would they would need. I mean, they'd have to talk to Diageo. <laughs> it's a contract crew. I think it's it's quite a quite a serious process. So um, the. Um, this is going down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but the idea mm-hmm. of putting nitro in cans without a widget. Um, there have been other breweries that have done that, that uh, I think messed up. So nitro does not hold itself in suspension the same way that CO2 does. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a can without a widget, before you open it, you have to shake it up. Like you've mm-hmm. got to take that can and you've got to really get it back into the beer and there have been lots of places that have tried to release nitro beers that didn't tell anybody that. Yeah. So people crack them open and all the nitro is then gone. Mm-hmm. And then you pour a beer and it's just flat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's just nothing going on. There's, there's, it's, it's, it's horrible. The people store them upside down. It's the, is one of the solutions. Right. No, I mean, I give at least it, you I give one, it a good little, yeah, at least you get one, <laughs> one turn. I give it a good little and turn your head away just in case <laughs> when you open it. But, um, but again, rabbit hole, but, um, so going back to this hypothetical mm-hmm. world of um, what Cincinnati craft beer could have been, we have to talk about Blank Slate. Mm-hmm. If Blank Slate had been able to uh, hang in there for a little while longer, <laughs> would it have made a difference? Or um, do you think that if they had gotten through some kind of um, hump in craft beer that they could have really started to thrive with all of the other stuff that's happening in craft beer. That's, that's I mean, it's very hard to say. Um, and it is kind of, it is kind of tough to talk about. Um, uh, I would say that of, it's the only brewery closure that I think kind of sticks out as being like a, a real kind of people. It's the only one that I really feel is like an actual, like really, we really a lost loss. something yeah. where we really, 
maybe eight I mean, ball. Well, we've we've talked about this, but with eight eight ball, at least you have Braxton Labs coming in, and that was kind of you know I I don't want to say that there's you know that like I know eight ball was was its own thing and it had its own attitude, and I think that that's kind of it's kind of a fun attitude that you didn't really see after they left yeah. for a little while. Um, it, it was kind of typical to craft beer that kind of. Um, there, I, I think that eight ball was very unique, and I wish we would have. It would have been interesting to see them develop if they would have been a standalone company. Um, but with well, yeah, with blank slate, like, um, that's a brewery that I mean, to be frank, I wish we would have been able to to help out when, um, I mean, that was you know, that was a brewery that I don't I don't know if we could have. I mean. I, and it, it's really not something you really want to get too far into. But I will say, I mean, the reputation that they had was deserved. Um, whether or not that, you know, trying to chase trends, I don't think that's something that they were really predisposed to. But you, if you have enough credibility, people will, uh, you know, chase you. And I don't know if it was, it just never, maybe I think that, it would have been a much, I think it would have been a much more mature craft brewer beer scene in Cincinnati if Blank Slate would have been able to continue as a venerated pillar of the of the brewing community. Um, that would be my take. Was I would rather have it's something like almost like an elder, you know, I mean, I feel like that Blank Slate could have been like an elder statesman of, of craft beer that would have been kind of more of a, you know, a little bit, you know, he, what their style was, was taking traditional styles and just playing with them a little bit. Right. And that was, you know, you had to know what their traditional style was supposed to taste like to really appreciate the twist that they were right. putting on it. Um, I don't think that's a super marketable uh, thing, but I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff. I mean, again, but that's if, what's if you're, you're, that's what's yeah. so fascinating to me is that like as this all keeps growing, the the amount of breweries that are doing things the way you're supposed to do them mm-hmm. enables like these other places that are doing things the way you're not supposed to. Like it, it what do you mean? It almost it almost like. I always use Urban Artifact as a good mm-hmm. example. In Cincinnati, you should not open a sour only brewery. That shouldn't exist. You shouldn't even. You shouldn't even fucking try. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, like, there's basically three or four other breweries besides Urban Artifact that anyone will even can, should anyone. I mean, like, there's not. I mean, you. I've tried to bring. I mean, we sell so much less sours than other distributors of our size in like our portfolio because of Urban Artifact. Um, I mean, they're just the best. If and it's just just how it is. If Urban Artifact had opened five years before they did, I don't know that they would have had the success that they've had. Interesting. Why do you I, think that? I I think that as this this thing grows, it just it enables these little funny outliers to exist. These these places that do things different. Like if you if you are um, one of four breweries in a city mm-hmm. and you make only sours for some reason, people don't care about it. 
but, but if if you are if you become part of this bigger kind of machine of what makes a beer city it all of a sudden makes more sense i i I, I think I also part of it is, I mean, I, if you talk about kind of the intangible qualities of, uh, of beer companies, I think you definitely have to talk about Urban Artifact really becoming a part of the fabric of Northside right. and, and really having, you know, there are people who, you know, who love Urban Artifact, um, people who go there and they, you know, half the time they're drinking PBR. Um, but there's also people who will who live. I think in, it's Narragansett now. I think they. Is it uh, really? I think so. Yeah. Though. Okay. I don't think they sell PPR anymore. Well, they they got shout go out with, to your distributors. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's you know that's that's I mean you know uh, it's uh, Streetside had Brink on recently because uh, they were like, hey, we don't want to buy it from someone else. So I, I do appreciate that relationship. But the uh, yes, uh, I think Urban Artifact is. You know, something that people, it's something that people can identify with beyond just making some of the best sour beer in the country. Um, and, you know, it, it's, so if you have a really bulletproof, you know, credibility and you have uh, a stellar culture, I mean, then you can, then you can have a, you know, be a little weird in a couple ways, but a little weird when it comes to, the kind of beer that you're putting out because people trust you and, um, you know, people, I mean, again, people like to drink the beer. So I think that if, you know, the world was different and mm-hmm. got shaken up in some kind of black hole of beer mysticism, mm-hmm. I'm going to copyright that term, by the way. Okay. Um, if Blank Slate opened their doors today, instead of 2012 or whatever year they, they, they it was opened. 2011, I think. Was it 2011? Yeah. Um, I think they have a better chance of succeeding and surviving and making it through versus, and that's for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, but I've, I mean, people decide to close their business for personal reasons. So we don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to get too much into whether, you know, why they didn't quote unquote survive or whatever, but I think you can say that there wasn't uh, the kind of market demand for them at the time. Um, But, you know, frankly, number one culprit seems to be their, seemed to be their distributor, frankly. Um, But, you know, on the other hand, one thing I've learned is that it's hard to kind of create demand and, um, I think that that was probably, um, if you're if you're looking at the brewery, you know, when they opened or whatever, I don't I don't know if there was ever going to be you know a perfect time for such a such a unique brewery. God, I miss I miss that place. Yeah, so I, much. Think that, I think I think turn for the worst. Yeah, <laughs> I I mean honestly, Fork in the Road was a good one. It's it's amazing to me, and we'll we'll, we'll go mm-hmm. to a different question here because mm-hmm. this is getting sad. Um, oh. Yeah, like it, it's amazing that whenever people talk about certain beer styles or um, seasons or things like that, blank slate still comes up in conversation over yeah. and and you know we're talking they've they've been closed since when 2017 like there's mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of craft beer drinkers that are you know out there chasing whatever now they weren't craft beer drinkers then yeah <laughs> like, you know like it. it 
how often does that happen that, you know, six years down the road, 10 years down the road, people are still talking about a place that, that, that closed. Yeah. But and I, but it's I, open right now that no one's talking about but, <laughs> but I think, but I think blank slate will always be one of those places. Yeah. Every, you know, every Oktoberfest season, people are going to talk about turn for the worst. Every time somebody brings up opera cream, anything mm-hmm. for the love of God, they're going to talk about blank slates, opera cream style. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, it, uh, I, I don't know. I I was talking to somebody the other day and we were talking about opera cream mm-hmm. and um, I was wondering if, uh, if I could taste, you know, fresh, actual blank slate opera cream stout today, if it would fulfill this thing that's now in my head or if it would be a letdown hmm. <laughs> because I have this memory in my head of this beer and we we've all had those those beers that over time kind of lose their their uh, their magic hmm. because of the other stuff that's happening around you. Um, I I wonder if it would still hit that same way for me if you would take a sip and just kind of you know immediately be like oh there it is like there's there's that thing that I've been missing or if it'd be like oh that's that is not what I remembered it being. <laughs> yeah, might be a little column A, a little column B, but. I, I have found, you know, I think sometimes breweries that you're like, oh, wow, I wish that this tasted like the first time I tasted it. Sometimes they just kind of let their standards go. That's so. true. That is definitely <laughs> true with a lot of places. Like, oh, um, man, Newcastle. <laughs> let's, let's crack open another beer and then let's talk about seltzer because that's my next uh, semi-hypothetical. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's try uh, one you of your do this one? Yes. You have a bottle opener? Yes, of course. So this is a narrow path. This is the petite, but poor, poor, poor I don't speak French. It's one I, of their one I of their sours. I don't have a uh, bottle of water. It's gonna have a touch of barrel aging in it, isn't it? Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't think it'll hurt this beer at all. Um, this was so tell me a little bit about narrow path. I don't know much about them. Uh, so narrow path is one of the few mm. places that has never been on the Brewcast. Oh, wow. Um, however, we will change that soon. There's you know some stuff that they're working through right now that um, has Chad getting cold feet about being on the show, I think. So mm. um, this was one of their anniversaries was when they first released this. I don't know if it was the first anniversary or their second anniversary, but they uh, released two bottles of sour beer that were just phenomenal. <laughs> so most of what they do, I mean, they've got a fantastic uh, coconut um, porter, coconut porter, coconut stout. Mm-hmm. They have killer IPA on tap. They are just this really great neighborhood brewery that all of a sudden cranked out these beers that are mm. to me, uh, some of my favorite sour beers in the city. You know, mentally, I had a list of breweries locally that made good sours. Now I have to add one. It's it's crazy, though. Yeah. That's really like, good. They don't have, like, it's not a big place. It's not a, I mean, it's all like a, your stereotypical one room brewery. You walk in the door and the, mm-hmm. the brew house is on your right and the bar is straight ahead and the bathrooms are on your left and there's a backyard straight, you know, forward. It, uh. They shouldn't make 
beer this good. <laughs> it doesn't like when you walk in, you don't, you don't think you're going to get stuff like this. Like this is absolutely phenomenal. When and they've spot when was this bottle? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I'd have to really dig into some notes. When did you get it? I got this one just recently, but oh. um, I have some in the cellar from when they released it. And I think this is the same batch. Let's see if I can. Yeah, there's killer. There's killer aroma on it, and um, the pear. I'm a huge sucker for pear. Uh, I think it's a perfect thing to uh, to put in a sour beer. It's just it, it hits all of those. It hits all of those, those notes. It's got the funkiness. It's got the tartness. It's got the fruitiness, but not like not over the top fruit like something the urban would do. No, but. not at all. No, it's. I mean, yeah, you're not gonna. I mean, you can see right through it. So it's obviously not a pure. You know, they don't have the kind of slushy quality or whatever you want to call it. Um, not a Midwest fruit tart. <laughs> Which I remember when they first invented that. I was like, well, that's kind of I love it. I love it so much. But uh, it totally, I mean, it's totally fucking right. I mean, that's. I don't think I have notes on when this was released. Um, No. So they've done three bottle releases. They've done a barrel aged Irish red, which I think that was first anniversary. Mm -hmm. Second anniversary was the uh, Petite Poiret, whatever, Mm -hmm. however you say it. And the Cerise Sauvage. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I think this was second anniversary. So Oh, so this has been around for a little bit. I th- oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. But I just, I, I, I don't know why more people aren't, um, aren't talking about this. Yeah. And honestly, I think it probably would have tasted better uh, earlier on. I think it's kind of, um, uh, yeah, I, I kind of wish there was a little more fresh fruit character. Is that that's why I was curious about its uh, the time it was bought. Yeah, but I mean, you do get a little bit more funk with. Uh, See, I, I like that. I think I like um, I like that the fruit is there, but it's just kind of tucked in there. Mm-hmm. Um, love it. So, seltzer. <laughs> this is my least favorite conversation. It's everybody's least favorite conversation, <laughs> but. Um, how big does seltzer get? Like, what is what is? And, and not, we're talking about the future now. Yeah, this is hype, going back hypothetical. Okay. Um, we're we're seeing going back to non hypothetical. We're seeing people breweries mm-hmm. start trying to trying to figure out why people are drinking seltzer and create their own response to that. And, you know, Fifty West right now is my favorite example of it with their hard lemonade. Yeah. Which I'm in love with. Is it good? It's so good. I haven't had it yet. Um, so when I first, um, shout out to Shift Beers podcast mm-hmm. for the guys over at March 1st. Um, not associated with March 1st, but they do a podcast. Mm-hmm. And they they drank the the lemonade like right when it came out on the show. And all of them said it smelled like feet. Huh. So when I when Who's I finally feet? got some, <laughs> um, I had this thing in my head. I'm like, all right. It's going to smell bad, but it's going to taste delicious. It's going to smell bad, but it's going to taste delicious. So I poured it out and I put it in a glass specifically so I could smell the feet. Right. Didn't smell like feet at all. It smelled like like delicious, fresh Meyer lemons. Were they drinking it barefoot? I don't I know. Mean. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it, it it is easily right now my favorite like 
what do we call them? Beyond beer beverages mm-hmm. um, easily, but it's their response to this world of seltzer that, you know, they play around with that quencher or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they have these, these solutions for people that are looking for that thing and trying to figure out why people are looking for that thing. And so they give them something that kind of still fits in with uh, who they are, um, but kind of tries to fit that need. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's it. Like, I don't know if people, I don't know if people are drinking seltzer because they want to be healthy. I don't know if people are drinking seltzer because they think it's more refreshing or uh, I don't I, know. I'm, 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 I'm shrugging. Where does know. it go? Um, <laughs> I, you know, we're, we're pretty insulated from that, honestly. Uh, but as a drinker, you're not. I mean, you can't get away from it. You can't get away from it. You walk into, you know, I guess we're not really walking into bars, but yeah. you, 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 you go anywhere and that's, people are just destroying this stuff. Like they're yeah. just, they're just. It's not really coming out of my mainline. pocket, I guess is the problem. Um, you know, our, it's not, re- it's just, it isn't really, you know, we do have a actually pretty successful Right. Uh, line of seltzer. It's the Untitled Art uh, Florida Seltzer. We that's pretty much the only one we sell. Um, we sell it because it is a better product than what is available on the market. You know, it's kind of the Untitled Art of seltzer, so it's a little bit. It's an easy sell for me. I mean, basically, you're getting the kind of the great fruit forward smoothie beers that they used to make, or and they still make, but it has a seltzer base, so you're getting the same fruit character. You're getting, they have innovative stuff as well. Um, but the Florida stuff is, that. I mean, that's, I would not be surprised if that becomes, you know, one of our, one of our you know, I'll, I'll, if it becomes one of our best sellers, that's fine. I'll, I'm trying to get it on draft. I'm trying to get as many as possible when we're picking it up by the pallet. It's, uh, it's cool. Um, I don't really drink it. Uh, it doesn't really excite me um and you know all the other stuff on the market that the kind of i mean if you're talking to me as a drinker and as a businessman i don't really care about it it's, where it's honestly it, where i'm at right now where does it go are we shifting into and this is hypothetical and just your opinion as as a drinker are we shifting into a world where people are going to try to figure out their thing that started with seltzer be it the florida seltzer or hard lemonade or mm-hmm. you know march 1st does like the astra the uh, red cream soda. Have you tried that yet? No. You should try that. It's 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 absolutely awesome. <laughs> it gets it tastes like red cream soda, but it's a seltzer. It's it's awesome. Um, but are people going to try to find kind of their response to seltzer, and will that work? Um, I guess. Or my, are people like just are people <laughs> just drinking seltzer because they're standing there with their white claw cans, and all their friends are standing there with their white claw cans, and it's they have some kind of. Uh, I don't know, club going on with, uh, I mean, I think it's, it's a way, uh, you know, it, I, I always say it's the opposite of what I want to do where some people are like, Oh, I want to get drunk and I don't want to taste anything. Like for me, it's like the opposite. Like <laughs> I, I want, want to taste as much as I can and ABB not get beers. drunk. Yeah. <laughs> like, which yeah. is where hold the reins comes in where yeah. I, you know, in those low ABV, high flavorful beers, the, um, shout out, best- shout out to Municipal Brew Works mm-hmm. for their 3.8% uh, English mild um, called Off the Trolley. Oh, that is, I wish, I, if you're listening, Municipal, 
I wish it was in cans. I wish I could get it everywhere because I wish I always had a row of it in my fridge and I always wish I had a little pocket in every cooler that I ever packed. Um, but yeah, the uh, best drinking experience that I've had this year easily is uh, Branch and Bone did uh, a cask in a bag where they took an English, mo- they took an English they took an ESB, right? Um, and uh, they basically, it was basically a cast condition, but they used like wine bags. And I bought one uh, for the warehouse, and we we had it, and it was phenomenal. Um, it, it you know it's very flavorful, not very high ABV. You get, I mean, a cask ale is different than what you're going to get in a can or on draft, and that was for me a perfect drinking experience. And frankly, you know, our customers, whatever number of, of people they will be, are going to be people who want more flavorful beer. And we'll, you know, we will sell seltzers. And, uh, you know, I think we're doing pretty well with the untitled ones. And I don't think we'll really be on the market for much else because I, I don't, th- I think it's a, there's a lot of losers. Um, and I mean, just, I mean, I mean like, there, there's there a are few just, winners and lots of losers. There are in just the so many seltzers. So I, yeah. I've been trying to drink them all because um, I want to do some kind of big breakdown of seltzer mm-hmm. and what it's about and what makes the best seltzer and what is the best seltzer. I can't keep up. Every time yeah. I walk in the store, there's a whole new shelf of different brands that I've never heard of before that I'm trying to try. It's it's insane. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. And I, like I said, I, I don't know if, um, if seltzer is the end of the, 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 the curve or if it's the start of some kind of other category that is going to be popular. I don't know. Um, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it, but I, it just, it doesn't, it's not beer. It's not, um, it doesn't really interest me. Um, and I, I think that the main thing is like it's uh, I, it's not really eating our lunch when it comes down to it. Right. It's, you know, it's eating light beers lunch. It's eating, you know, the kind of more wine you know, and cider yeah. and things like so that. So it, it, for us, I mean, it's the opposite of what our, I mean, you know, the traditional seltzer is the opposite of what we're trying to get to customers with stuff like Untitled Art. And if there's stuff like if we get more stuff that is more flavorful, that that is going to be a higher end, you know, not just like, oh, by the way, it tastes exactly like you're drinking a Mountain Dew. Like, well, guess what? Mountain Dew's on the fucking shelf in Walmart. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's it's um for what we want to do, um, it, you know, maybe next, you know, my seventh appearance on Cincy Brewcast <laughs> will be like, oh yeah, man, like check out our hard grapefruit soda. Um, but at this time, I mean, beer is what we do. Um, we'll, uh, we'll note we, I have no problem, you know, getting in cider and mead and, 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 you know, the Florida seltzer is, is selling well and it, it is phenomenal product. But, um, as far as seltzer as a general segment, I think it, I think this is your yeah. seventh appearance, by the way. I, I, I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is my seventh. I thought it was, I, guess I think I'm so. One, one ahead. Um, so I guess on my eighth appearance, if I'm talking about, uh, um, you know, whatever. But uh, if we have, 
yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm fine with whatever you know, wherever the the segment takes us, we'll we'll go. But at this time, it does seem like better beer is still there's still a demand for it. And you know, while seltzer is a monster, an absolute monster, it's um, you know, it it doesn't really seem to be cutting into what we are doing. And again, I'm fine with. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's it, it's super boring to talk about, honestly. Like unless it, I have one, and we don't have any right now to, to try. So it's it's kind of like I I as far as seltzer goes, I'm sure breweries will. Uh, it's a straw that people can grasp at. I just, I think back, to, well, I don't think back because I wasn't there, but, you know, when craft beer started, mm-hmm. it wasn't what craft beer is today. It yeah. was just a little bit more flavorful beer made traditionally yes. versus what was around at the time. There were a lot of people that were that would try it and be like, this isn't really great. I'm just, I'm just going to go back to home brewing and, and do my thing, mm-hmm. you know. And that caused, you know, especially when you look at the 90s and this boom of craft breweries that then collapsed upon itself. And we could go into, (laughs) but craft beer then was just almost like a, like a sign of what was to come. And I, I, I just, I feel like seltzer is a, a peak into peek into the future of something and, and not, not that it has any kind of, you know, bearing on craft beer because craft beer is still craft beer and seltzer is still seltzer. And I think those two categories will stay very, well, the people who are drinking it will stay very separate. Yes. But as a beverage in our world, I think seltzer is the start of something that we're about to see. Um, I'm going I, to, I think, I'm going to a seltzer right. festival in a couple of weeks. Well, I, I, I think you, I mean, I think you're right. that <laughs> seltzer's here to stay. And I think there is going to be a lot of crossover in the drinkers and it's just like there was crossover between craft beer and light beer drinkers. But I think that people never really kind of got that there was the blended drinker right. was a big part of driving uh craft beer success was someone who would in many contexts would drink Bud Light, Miller Light, all that stuff, but then would go to a brewery or would, would, at a certain store buy. Right. So now that person is instead do buying craft beer and buying seltzer. Right. Um, you know, again, I don't think that there's a huge, uh, it, it is, it is still separate. And I don't, I don't really think that there's, I know that a lot of breweries are trying it, but I don't think they're trying it because they, um, are experiencing an overabundance of success, frankly. Um, you know, some of them are, you know, Entitled Art's a hot fucking brand. And, you know, they're also doing, you know, seltzer. But I think that I we also get pitches from other breweries saying, hey, try our seltzer. And we say no. <laughs> um, and uh, the, uh, I think that you're going to see, you know, people are going to grasp at straws, you know. it's And I, I think that that's really kind of maybe more, the fact that people are trying seltzer is a much... I think is a bigger indicator of where craft beer is than where um, craft beer is relative to seltzer. If that makes any sense. It makes sense. And, uh, you know, I, that, that's, it's, I don't think, I mean, most breweries that are making seltzer are doing it just because they're doing, they just, it's, it's easier than buying it. And I, I don't think there's anything. It's a reaction almost to, yeah. 
Well, I mean, it's it's you know the the, the tap room ended up being a much bigger part of most breweries' uh, revenue stream than I think they intended, and uh, I think now okay, you have to compete with bars down the street, so now you have to have a seltzer on tap, or you have to have a seltzer in, in package in some way. Right. You want to drink one more? Let's. We can try. It. Yeah. Um. So. The last question I have written down mm-hmm. is uh, an easy hypothetical. Okay. <laughs> um, well, it should be a should be an easy question that is very difficult to answer. Mm-hmm. In five years, who has more tap rooms? Is it Braxton? Is it Fifty West? Or is it March first? <laughs> you want to drink this one or this one? Um, dang. Uh, there's no way we get out of here if we drink that one. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll drink it on a, on a future show. <laughs> um, I don't, that is, is a tough question. Or is it somebody else that we're not, I'm not even taking into account? So we're talking about like the fig leaf Woodburn. Right. right. I mean, or if, the Millcroft, which is under construction in Milford. Mm-hmm. So if we include March 1st branded, Tap rooms plus the things the, that they buy. Yeah, things that they buy. If they have an appetite for buying uh, breweries that are looking for a soft exit, I think it's March first by a mile, frankly. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't think that. I mean, I think Fifty West and Braxton are. It's a, it's a much different uh, uh, thing that those guys are doing. You know, um, I think that that it's kind of boring when breweries just open up a new location. I think that both Braxton and 50 West have been uh, a lot better than most breweries nationally that I've seen where you just open up another location. There's, there's kind of a purpose to each one that they've opened um, with, uh, with 50 West. I mean, obviously they have that just paradise uh, on uh, you right. Know, it, 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 right, out, right. I'm not even as much counting the uh, complex of 50 West mm-hmm. right there as much as I am this idea that happened in Chillicothe, which yeah. opens these doors now. If that, if that works and if it proves to be a success, this, I, you know, I, I mean, pick I, up, pick up yeah. the burger bar and place it in any city. Is any city on, on 50. 50. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I, I, I think that I could see, I don't think 50 West is probably done. I think they they like that idea. I'd love to see them expand outside of the state of Ohio. Um, How great would a road trip like as like a you're in your early twenties mm-hmm. and you're hanging out with your friends like man we should take a road trip. We should go to all the fifty west locations. We should just start on the east coast and just drive. No, that would be how be, fun would that be? It would be great and it'd be fun to see the differences between the bizarre <laughs> alcohol laws that each state has and what was, what was represented there and what wasn't. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, with, with 50 West and, and Braxton, and obviously their expansion has been deliberate. Um, you know, you, you know, the, 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 the three points location that they had um, made sense because it was downtown. They got the barrel house. They got the uh, Braxton labs have already said, you know, was a great addition. Um, you know, Every every location that they have has uh, has made sense. They all have their own personalities. Yeah. Which are they are they done? Like you know, when you look at the different sides of what Braxton is, like I the only other thing that's missing is a 
seltzer house <laughs> you know like it, it yeah, that's that's the only such, that's the only such a thing does not exist you <laughs> must have dreamed it <laughs> but but that's the only part of their personality mm-hmm. that they haven't really created a space for a casa de vive <laughs> <laughs> you know um the uh no i uh i think um yeah i would say if i was if i was going to guess i think that uh if 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 the March first, it's all uh, hypothetical. Yeah. By the way, if if the Mar- if March first wants to continue to do what they're doing, I think that there's Which a lot. A they've lot been of- they've been very clear saying that they they have no plans on stopping to you know looking at places that are um, that are selling or looking for expansion opportunities in different areas or different cities or um, I assume different states as the world continues to uh, keep turning. No, I, I think that that I think that you're going to see. I think what's going to happen. I, my question to you, I think, would be interesting. Um, right now, what do we have? Like 56 independently owned. Uh, like we have the independently owned breweries, something like that. I can I can look at my actual list. I, I think it's between like 56 and 70, uh, 60 something. But I, I I think that you know, not counting multiple locations, you probably have about 56 independent. Uh, Brewing companies, um, I think it'd be interesting. It's probably close to seventy or eighty. Seventy-three right now is my full count, but that's for, for that's, A1Cs. Yeah, yeah that's or multiple A1Cs, locations, A1Cs, yeah. but that's including BrewDog yeah. and all kinds of bullshit. So, I think that it would be very interesting to see. Um, so, if we're at seventy-three and, and fifty odd, um, it would be very interesting to see. Um, what number is higher? Ooh. Uh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, obviously, the second number is always going to be higher. Um, it would be interesting to see if... The growth between the yeah, two? Yeah, between the two, I think, would be very interesting. To see if... Um, I would say... What my The most fascinating thing to me is, do you think that the... Let's say it's 56. Do you think the 56 gets higher? Or do That's you think good. the 73 gets higher? I think the 73 gets higher. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it, I only think that it grows because we're not counting. So when Taft's opens mm-hmm. uh, the Brewporium in Columbus, that, right. that doesn't add to our, our local count. No, it it's another Taft's or mm-hmm. when 50 West opens Chillicothe, it doesn't add to the local count. I think we're going to see more places that their second location is outside of Cincinnati versus in Cincinnati. I you don't think. think- I, 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 here's what, um, yeah, my prediction is that you will see more A1C, A1As and fewer companies, uh, owning them. That's an easy guess. It makes, it makes sense. I mean, if you're, you know, we're just finished drinking some narrow path beer, Mm -hmm. narrow path works anywhere. Like Mm -hmm. if you put yourself right on a bike path and the river and kind of tap into that idea, you can if you're if well, you're if you're part of the bike it. crowd you, you you know going back to that idea of a road trip what about a you know a bike trip you start at narrow path and you end at narrow path and you stop at narrow path in the <laughs> middle it makes sense to me that's true um it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me for narrow path to build two or three more prefab uh systems uh, though right no but if if you really put time and you put effort and you put thought into what you're doing in that spot that you're you're building mm-hmm. it can work because i mean 
what makes a good craft brewery, you know, beer, obviously, mm-hmm. and their ability to tie themselves into their community. That's true. Those are the two biggest factors of what makes a place successful. I guess it, the, the most pressing question I would have is, how, I mean, I, I think people way overestimate and also have kind of a ghoulish obsession over breweries that, you know, kind of have that hard exit where they just close and part the place out. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I, I think, I don't think we're going to see very many of those. Um, and I, th- I think that's something I've been pretty consistent on. And I think that you'll probably will see more soft exits where um, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, York Street Brewing yeah. becomes, you know, Braxton version five or version eight or whatever. And, you know, that. Or even as, as the world kind of keeps growing and changing, mm-hmm. you know, your, your head brewer maybe buys into the business and it becomes his or hers. And that is the way that it shifts then at some point and things I, like yeah, that. I think you'll definitely see that. Cause I think there's, there's always going to be change and it's actually been, I think the last seven years have been kind of, and I think maybe in other markets you've seen this already kind of coming back down to earth, but we've been actually, it's been an unnatural uh, ratio of openings to closings. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, you normally do. And I think unfortunately part of that has to do with how much money are going into these places, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> it's just funny, but you know, um, I think that, you know, it's, it's, you, you are starting to finally see a little bit more coming back down to earth. I think the middle of the last decade, was a lot of irrational exuberance around craft beer when it came to the money-making side of it, which I can tell you, it's just, you know, you just, beer is heavy and cheap, man. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's not, not not my phrase. It's just, that's that's what it is, you know? Like you, it's, you know, you can only fill so much of one of those little vans we got out there with, with beer. Um and then you can only charge people so much for it. So, I mean, people, it's always funny. Like, people are like, man, beer is $19.99 for a fur pack. Like, come on. It's like, okay, but like a $20 bottle of wine, nobody bats an eye at that. Well, know? and that's the thing. It's like all craft beer isn't $20 for a four pack. Some is. But, but, but yeah. yeah, some of it is. <laughs> and there should be like these different, these different levels of everything. There should be different different situations where you drink this versus this, there should be different packaging options. Like all of these things are part of a, a healthy product. Like, you know, it's, I think it's not all the same stratification of of craft beer. I mean, we're kind of part of that where we, we kind of fit into that upper stratosphere uh, of price points in, in, in our, mostly in our non-local stuff. Although, you know, our local guys, Street side and Brink have some higher dollar stuff. Which we're drinking a street side beer, we're by drink, the way, yeah, before drinking, before Garrett gives yeah. me any more shit about <laughs> not drinking his beer enough. We're drinking an Alpha IPA right now. One of my favorites. Uh, one of my all-time favorites, local craft breweries uh, or lo- local craft beers. I started drinking them long, long before Adina existed. The Alpha IPA was what I'd always get if uh, I was there. Adina is a company, not the people. Right. Well, right. <laughs> You're not that old. Not that old, no. The, uh... um, I, I don't drink alpha, like, often. Really? Like, it's not one that I, I'm not, like, an IPA guy. Like, I don't just run around grabbing IPAs. I'm much more malt heavy in my, my drinking. And um, this is really, really good. No, it, it's just a perfect, 
uh, it's just a perfect IPA. And this this is really my style. I mean, you might have seen, you know, I was obviously pretty hot forward in the beers I brought. But uh, they, they are also what sell. I mean, hops don't go out of style, as a wise man once said. Um, <laughs> the uh, I, I just like it. It's a good balanced beer. Uh, 6% alcohol. It yeah. has a... Uh, um, a, uh, I don't know. I, I've always, I've always dug it. It was fun to get it in cans, and I wanted to make it on the show. Yeah. So when I get around to uh, part two of my search for the best New England IPA in the city, Streetside will be part of it for anybody who uh, yeah, has been sending better. me grumpy emails. Yeah. Because um, they were <laughs> not part of the first one. I must have missed that. When did you do that? Um, it's on YouTube. It was oh. like month ago or so oh shoot and uh, i just i went to my local beer store jungle gyms mm-hmm. if you want to sponsor the show jungle gyms just send me an email um and just grabbed all of the local doing it ipas that were on the the single shelf hmm. street side wasn't on the single shelf that day hmm. <laughs> so they didn't make it in um yeah, we don't tell them in butler county but we can get you a uh we can get you some samples i will i'll, I'll drive to dayton <laughs> to buy one <laughs> Or you can, we'll, we'll, we'll get, I mean, I mean, if you're going to, I mean, you, you, I mean, I know I'm a homer, but I mean, the reason we picked up Streetside was because they had some of the best IPAs in the city. They're incredible. So they, they fall into a very similar category to me that mm-hmm. the Brink does. Yes. This place that doesn't send out a lot of beer or mm-hmm. wasn't sending out a lot of beer, um, but has this brand that they are just building right there that's just like it's like this this fireball that's just waiting to explode mm-hmm. when the time is right and like just just keep they just keep building this thing that uh w- if you know you know you yeah. know and a lot of people do know uh but yeah i mean no street side i mean that's a top five it's in everyone's top oh yeah five oh yeah i mean obviously we have five local breweries so it's in my top five but uh <laughs> i i feel like you know street side's definitely one of those places that like if you don't have me your top five you're like well you obviously fucking don't know <laughs> <laughs> they just what i love about street side is that they have everything underneath of their 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 portfolio that that like every kind of style they do it and they've mm-hmm. done it and it's they've done it really well like you can you can get everything from some kind of super traditional lager whatever to a pastry stout, to a New England, to a sour, to, um, you know, Demogorgon with, you know, cinnamon whiskey barrel. All that really, stuff, yeah. really incredible stuff. Um, we are way over time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we will wrap this up. Hypotheticals uh, don't mean anything for anybody that's listening and right. is uh, yelling at their uh, their phone or whatever you listen to podcasts on. I think you can do, even do it on uh, your smart speaker thing. You can. I don't want to say her name because it sets it off if you're listening to the podcast around her. <laughs> but if you just tell it that you want to subscribe to the show, you can do that. Hint, hint, subscribe to the show <laughs> or tell somebody that you know to subscribe to the show. Thank you to everybody who uh, supports on Patreon. If you want to support on Patreon, go to thegnarlygnome.com slash support. It helps a lot. It keeps my wife off my back for uh, how much this costs to uh, to keep doing and to keep uh, 
upgrading equipment, which I probably should stop doing, um, especially thanks to this month's uh, sponsor. You can get a sponsor level, which is a little more expensive, but you get a commercial kind of on the show. It's not really a commercial. I just shout you out, which is what I'm doing right now. Uh, Brett Coleman Baker uh, from obviously Urban Artifact uh, is this month's sponsor. And uh, he is great guy, a uh, good friend of mine. And obviously makes fantastic beer. If you haven't tried Urban Artifact, I, what the fuck <laughs> nobody that listens to the show has not tried <laughs> it. But if you uh, are thirsty right now, you can get on and go to their online store and order beer and it'll be delivered right to your doorstep. It's actually kind of awesome. Even if you stumble across a show and you live outside of Ohio, they deliver to like, I don't know, like 14 states or something like that right now. Um, you can get it shipped right to your house so do that and uh, thank you brett and uh thank you everybody at urban artifact for making fantastic beer <laughs> that's that's it that's all of the uh the commercials the plugs uh makes me feel weird i, I appreciate everybody that supports the show but i uh, <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to pay me to make me keep doing the show you guys i'm going to keep doing the show because i love cincinnati beer um, thank you for doing the show. <laughs> thank you for being on the show. Um, Always a pleasure. We'll be back next week. Um, uh, actually, next week might hang on. Let me look really quick. Yeah, yes, next week I think is Ryan Geist. <laughs> we will ask them all of the questions that we brought up tonight. <laughs> we won't because uh, poor Chris Shields does not need uh, does not need to deal with that. <laughs> Just, I felt like we were very nice to. Ryan. We were, we were, but it was the other people we were making fun of. It's uh, it's always fun um, because there is nobody that I can really get on this show from Ryan Geist and sit down with that can answer any question I have about Ryan Geist. It's you know, it's it's this huge, massive machine at this point. It uh, um, it's 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 fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys uh go to the gnarly gnome.com go to cincybrewcast.com go to whatever you uh um <laughs> you desire to go to uh youtube youtube.com slash the gnarly gnome where you can find out what part one of the best cincinnati new england ipa was michael thank you i Thanks, i appreciate you making some time to uh, sit down with me i appreciate you sharing some beers with me um, it's always, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, share the show with a friend or somebody that you want to be your friend. Just do that. <laughs> Sensei Brewcast, the voice of Sensei Craft.